0: Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland.
1: Smith and Rowland Show coming to you again with festive news. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in Alan Smith's horse and sleigh. So we now present to you Mr. Alan Smith. I'm dreaming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Christmas (laughs) <laughs> I'm <right>. a <laughs> Christmas shoe be do do. <laughs> oh my! Hello <laughs> there, Mister Roland. <laughs> Please don't, Scooby Dooby. I'll oh, oh. see you right on up there, buddy. I'll tell you what, I never felt, never felt so Christmas cityed up in my life. How we <laughs> That's doing, awful. buddy? Pretty good. hope you are this morning. I hope everything's <laughs> <good>. well. And, <laughs> everything's and, and I'm, well. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Hadn't been this good, got, but uh, one other time.
1: Well, I'm hoping that you've got all of my Christmas shopping done this festive season. Your Christmas and.
0: shopping is officially done. Mm. Did you get me anything better than you did last year? Your Christmas shopping is officially done. This is a recording. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm not not sure I'm liking that. I went to hit repeat and it didn't, it read, it repeated in a different (laughs) brain. All right, Mr. Roller, we got an article we got to finish up on here, maybe today or tomorrow. But yesterday we had an article, and how in the world you came up with this title, I don't know. The <laughs> heresy of all millennialism now. And it is a heresy. I've, well, what does heresy mean? It means heresy. That's it means Harry's her say. Saying. That's right. So the Harry's woman say. that came that's up right. with
1: all millennialism needs to repent. That's all I'm saying. It's gender <laughs> pers-
0: specific. That's right. <laughs> gender, you're terrible. Now, last week, <laughs> yesterday, I mean, we were talking about this article, and the name of the article is The Dangers of Amillennialism. amillennialism. That's easy for you to say. And that's easy for you to say. We talked yeah. about its core values yesterday, Jeff, and yeah, how it spiritualizes things and millennialism and, would you tell our listeners once again what the definition of millennial is?
1: Well, all millennialism basically denies any literal kingdom on the earth where mm-hmm. Jesus rules and reigns. It relegates the kingdom that Jesus preached and the apostles preached to a matter of the heart and yeah, that it is yeah. completely symbolic. All millennialism denies a millennium and uh, goes straight to the new heaven and the new earth. And it takes Revelation chapters, uh, I guess, 1 through 20 as uh, something that's already happened yesterday we began to talk about the flaws and just to remind everybody we talked about how in this article it states that a flaw of all millennialism is it spiritualizes scripture and diminishes its authority it neglects israel's prophetic role and that it includes intellectual dishonesty to embrace this doctrine. And yeah, I, I'm yeah, a firm uh-huh. believer in all of those things. The writer here, Alan Didio of Encounter Today, makes a good argument. He backs up what he's saying with scripture, and he pretty well proves that those flaws of amillennialism is accurate. That's very, just to put a cap on it from yesterday, Revelation 20, It said most people say that the term thousand years is only used once. That's not true. It uses the term five times in six different verses in Revelation 20. You made the point that, you know, the Lord don't have to repeat himself for it to be true. If he says it one time, it's, that's yeah. enough. But yeah, that's it does right. God, God that. My daddy was the only
0: one that had to say it more than one.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I didn't want my dad to <laughs> say it twice, but in this article, Alan, he goes on to talk about the broader scriptural context of uh, okay. millennialism, and here's what he says, and, and then he's got some scripture that I'd like for us to consider about this, but here's what he says. He says, beyond Revelation, or that is beyond Revelation chapter 20 and what we talked about yesterday, the concept of a literal reign of Christ. On earth is a theme that is interwoven throughout scripture, underpinning the hope of a future and a restored kingdom. And then he talks about some verses of scripture that reinforces that understanding. But that statement, I believe, is true. The concept of a literal reign of Christ on the earth is interwoven throughout scripture. We can see it plainly in scripture, and it does give us the hope of a future and restored kingdom. I'm reminded of what, of course, this is a reference, I believe, to the rapture of the church, but it talks about the blessed hope. That we have. The hope of uh-huh. our future is in the return of Christ in the middle of the air. And then our future continues on by ruling and <clears throat> reigning with Christ when He comes back. So it's I just want to make this technical point. Could I bring a technicality in at this point? I'd like to check right on up t- there. T- t- you know, there's a lot of people says the church is not going to go through the tribulation. You and I have talked about how the believing remnant is raptured out. The apostate church will go through the tribulation. I'd like to say that the believing remnant does have a role to play in the tribulation. It's at the end of the tribulation when we come back with the Lord Jesus at the battle of Armageddon, and we're on white horses behind Christ coming down through the middle of the air to establish the kingdom on the earth. So in a technical sense, I guess you can say the believing remnant does take part in the tribulation, And it's at the very end when the Battle of Armageddon takes place in Revelation 19. We are with Christ in his descension from heaven to earth to establish his kingdom. So in that respect, our future and the hope of our future is in meeting the Lord in the middle of the air and then coming back with him to a restored kingdom and his plan for Israel going forward. And so that's in a broader scriptural context of why that all millennialism has so many flaws in it. It's interwoven throughout
0: scripture. Exactly. If you're going to go with spiritualizing the scripture and the all millennial concepts, and I call it a concept because it's not a really a reality. Let me say it to you like this, Jeff there. If you take the book literal that book has a lot of supernatural happenings in it. And supernatural meaning that it's God inspired or it came from the kingdom of God. It has a lot of supernatural happenings that happened to the church and even in the early part of Acts. When these supernatural happenings occurred today in the church, we tried to replicate or duplicate these supernatural happenings in the church. And just because God doesn't click at our demand, then we psychologically try to come up with a theology that will rule out God working supernaturally. See, if you spiritualize everything, Jeff, you don't have to use the supernatural element anymore. Yeah, that's right. It's all reduced to the heart of man. So it's in man's heart and all the super, everything happens as a transformation of the heart. And all of that is supernatural. I'm not minimizing that. But what happens is nothing has to happen literal. That's another side of spiritualizing scripture is you're taking when you do away with the literal, you're doing away with the supernatural world of the kingdom of God. Now I know a lot of people's belief systems has already done away with that, but nonetheless, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with believing the Bible literal versus those that want to make an allegory or a. Symbol, or to put it all reduced down to not, a, it's not literal. Well, if it's not literal, Jeff, just think about it. You have just eradicated the supernatural movement of God in a literal form on this earth. I have a problem with that. And you see, this time of year, we would like to say, well, it's not literal and all this. Well, Christmas is literal. Christmas time is literal. Worshipping the birth of a savior is literal. Jesus literally came to this earth. Yeah. Jesus did not say to us, there's going to be a point in time that you don't have to take it literal anymore. I yeah. cite Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven, which everyone knows it well, because we use it this time of year. It says, speaks of a child born to us, a son given who will have the government on his shoulders and of the increase of his government, did I say increase? Yeah, there you go. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, You see, Israel, as long as for almost 2,000 years, was not a nation. Well, Jeff, listen, Israel's a nation again now. So we see the increase. We're on an increase right now. We're not on diminishing. The apostle Paul said the diminishing of them is the riches of the Gentiles. Well, that's happened for 2,000 years. Now, when we see the increase of Israel again, we're, (coughs) we're setting the stage for the increase of his government. And it says there'll be no end. So we know we're in the end times. We're in the end of the end times, if you will, because we are seeing the increase of Israel again. And the Bible says in Isaiah, there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne. That's a little throne. David's throne is not in your heart. Thank you very much. That's right. Establishing it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The reference to David's throne speaks of a literal, physical place. So what yeah. we're, our argument is that to not take it literal, Jeff, I submit to you and to the listeners that if you don't take a Bible literal, you're almost going to do away with the supernatural arm of God to work literally on your behalf. I would also just want to point out, Alan, that starting
1: in 1948, when Israel became a nation, that should have done away with this belief system of millennialism, proving that Israel is a nation. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in where we may be going, yes, tomorrow, but I do want to say that when Israel became a nation, that put a big dent in millennialism and in what I would say the theory of millennialism or the hypothesis of it because it's not it is not a proven fact in the Bible by no stretch of the imagination and when you get to 48 and Israel becomes a nation if I had have believed in all millennialism prior to that I certainly wouldn't have after that because what it does your political structure then changes to where you become someone who literally despises and hates the nation of Israel while you're trying to hold on to biblical context. And I don't Mm -hmm. see how you can Mm -hmm. hate something that God called the apple of his eye. So, I mean, you're in contradiction with the character of God, to say the least, especially with the scriptures that calls on a literal physical place that God still is breathing on. And he says in Daniel 7, visions, one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven to whom is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is of everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. It's a direct parallel with Revelation wow. 20. So, I mean, I don't know how you can argue with the scriptures that declares so emphatically God's plan for Israel to restore them and to restore a kingdom to Israel where Jerusalem becomes the capital of the world and we rule and reign with Christ. So in that context, the church has relationship with Israel, but we are not Israel. Our program is different than Israel's program. And we are living in that interval of time between the 69th week and the 70th week of Daniel. So you got to do something with all of that. And uh, to just simply say that, well, the kingdom is just a matter of the heart. It's not a literal kingdom. You're denying the word of God, calling David, calling the Davidic covenant a lie established from heaven. And Mm -hmm, then you have mm -hmm. to allegorize these physical places as merely symbolic. And I I just don't know how you can get by with that. So the broader broader
0: context is there. Well, would you not lose faith in the word of God, Jeff, if you have to make everything into a some type of allegory or something? I mean, I yeah, don't absolutely. I don't know that we've got permission to do that with the word of God, Jeff.
1: No, uh, we don't, because it's not a private uh, interpretation. It can't be a private interpretation. Right. And if it's not a private interpretation, that means you have to take the word of God literally unless the word of God uses a language that makes something symbolic. And so if you don't, don't you think see, God if you don't see that language that makes something symbolic, then your only option at that point is to take what the word says in literal form. And that stretches people yeah. because it's like you say. The Word of God says some supernatural things. I can refer to just in my lifetime how that the technology of our day has just now arrived at a place where when Jesus comes back, every eye will see him. That was not yeah. so early on when we were kids growing up. That couldn't have happened right. because not everybody even had a television set. But now even the homeless people have a cell phone and they, the that's world the, will look up right. him. Yeah. I mean, the world will look upon him whom they have pierced, and every eye will see him. So that knowledge has just been—we've just now entered into that technological age when even that could be fulfilled. So, you know, to say that you can't believe
0: in the supernatural, literal context of Scripture is quite ridiculous. Well, Jeff, can we move on into the dangers of our millennial? yeah, he speaks about that there's danger to it in this article. And he says, all millennialism, allegorical approach has implications beyond eschatological perspectives. It opens doors to various contemporary eras. One of them, he said, Number one, social and political errors. Yep. The combination of the church's spiritual mission with temporal political agendas can be traced back to the allegorizing tendencies of amillennialism, which is found in the worst and darkest corners of church history. So true. When yep. the church loses focus <coughs> on its primary goal, salvation through Christ, social and political ideologies can fill the void leading to a dilution of the gospel message. Absolutely. What do you think about that one? I Jeff? think
1: that's right, Dab, where we are. In the social structure of the world right now, that's where we're at. Most churches wow. that say that they don't want to engage in political affairs because of separation church and state or because of all of these other things, they are engaging in political affairs at a higher level than those that take a stand against what's wrong. They are engaging yep. by replacing Bible text with political ideologies. That's what's happening. And it's watered down the message of the gospel. And that's why you've got drag shows in some churches for children now. That's happening. That's not something that's just been talked about. That's happening and that's happening in America. That's not happening in some other dark corner of the world. That's happening here in the United States. So the social and political eras that come about, and we can make a case where this started in the first century. And it started with all millennialism When the church refused to preach a literal kingdom in fear that the kingdom rulers of the first century would put them to death for preaching that there was a coming kingdom that was going to destroy their kingdom, they couldn't preach that in fear for their lives. When they weakened the biblical text to embrace the political climate of the first century, that has followed a trend line all the way to now. And what it, wow. what it has wow. become is a anti-Semitism that manifests in, Jew- in hatred, the hatred of the Jews. And it's given rise to such
0: characters as Adolf Hitler, as we talked about yesterday. The second danger that he has put here is vulnerability to non-biblical ideologies. Now what? let's look at this one, Jeff. Vulnerability to non-biblical ideologies. And how does it do that? By diminishing the future. Literal. Aspects of God's plan. millennialism inadvertently makes room for ideologies like socialism, yep. which often emphasizes collective salvation. Wow, what a scary thought. Yep, exactly. And utopian ideas at mm-hmm. the expense of individual faith and reliance on God's <laughs> sovereignty.
1: Yeah, in a word, Alan, wow,
0: all millennialism basically has to
1: lead you to a universalistic mindset where, in the end, God's yeah, going does. to save everybody. That's the end game right. of replacement theology. That's the end game of all millennialism. It does away with hell. It does away with punishment for sin. It does away with judgment. So they can call premillennialism escapism all they want to. But honestly, all millennialism is. The greatest escapist doctrine that can be preached. It freed. is the
0: great escape.
1: Yes, it is. Because you are basically arriving at a conclusion at the end that says no matter how you've mm-hmm. lived or whether you've turned your life over to Christ or not, whether you've received Jesus as your Savior or not, you're in the end, you're going to be saved. Because well, that's let me what collective salvation is. Jeff. Yeah.
0: If we're trying to escape with the rapture of the church, the tribulation period, why is it that we come back mm-hmm. to fight with Christ to finish it off? That's exactly right. We're going to be present for the greatest outpouring of God's wrath
1: in all of the tribulation period. We're going to be with Christ at the greatest outpouring of the I wrath tried. of God during mm-hmm. the entire tribulation.
0: That's yeah. right, because the rest uh, of the, the rest of the poor beings probably died during the tribulation. That's exactly right. We're saving and ourselves we are, for the big battle. And we have to be there. We have to be there because
1: we are the body of Christ. And Christ does not come without his body. There is absolutely no other way around it. And I would say that this vulnerability to non-biblical ideologies, and look at what it says here, it makes room for ideologies like socialism. That is a universalistic mindset. That's where it's rooted. In. That's what okay. Karl Marx preached. That's mm-hmm. what this utopian idea of hey, everything's gonna be all right. All we gotta do is drive electric cars and embrace climate change and become tree huggers and, and all's gonna be well with the, with the world. It's a dangerous ideology to embrace and it does have its roots in an all millennialistic type perspective of scripture. And there's a lot of churches that's fallen for that, Alan. A lot of mm-hmm. churches. Well,
0: it looks like between 30 to 50% of all Christians would fall into this category of deception. Well, I love
1: the way the writer puts this paragraph together. Listen to this. There is not one verse that says that the church will gradually transform the world for good, and then Jesus will return. They would have you believe that the world will get better and better until Christ returns. That's, that go. is a conclusion you have to draw. Well, that is totally
0: opposing Scripture because Scripture said, Jesus said, that it was going to grow worse and worse.
1: Yeah. Well, he says that Chico Marx famously said, who are you going to believe, me or your own eyes? And I mm-hmm. think that's pretty apparent. It's really hard when you see the devolving of the social structures into immorality and then say, everything's going to get better and better. It's mm-hmm. really hard. And especially when you use scripture like first Timothy four, one in the latter times some shall depart from faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Second Timothy three, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. John 9, 4, as long, Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. The night is coming when no one can work. Okay. Paul says that in the last days, terrible times, perilous times will come. Revelation mm-hmm. 12, 12 says, in the last days, Satan will come down in great wrath because he knows his time is short. On and on, he cites scripture that actually is, if you take it in its literal context, describes the very world we live in right now. Yep, there's people denying that, saying that, oh, no, no, everything's getting better and better. Well, no, it's not. It's just not getting better and better. And neither do I believe this adage that people use that says, well, it's been this bad all along. I would say that there has been these acts of immorality all along i would right. say that there has been sin all along but i would also believe that in this time sin is abounding more and more i would say mm-hmm. it that way and i would say the times are definitely growing darker and darker and if we can't see that then it's because we refuse to believe what we see with our own eyes and for those who believe that's a negative message I would declare to you it's a very positive message because in those times we're told to lift up our heads because our redemption draws nigh. And so those that have the blessed hope of his appearing and his returning need to look up because Jesus is fixing to come in the middle of the air. I think that's a positive thing. That's not a negative
0: thing. Well, that's if you're not scared of heights. (laughs) i mean just think about it i've jumped on airplanes
1: many times this time i'm going up instead of down so that's what
0: i'm saying that coming down is a whole lot easier than going up that's right you see, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to be in the rapture of the church, but I'll be honest with you. I'll probably close my eyes. Yeah. I don't like heights too good. I'm not too much on that nice stuff. That's right. <laughs> but I That's listen, right. I'm going to shut my, I'm still going. Yes, still absolutely. Going. Me and, me and All, you both. only thing I can tell you, if it's a spiritual bus, don't let me drive. Yeah, because my, my <laughs> eyes are <will> be closed. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time. They said, "How
1: many night jumps did you make when using the military?" And I, I told him, "Every jump I made was at night. I had my eyes closed every time I out the
0: door." That's the truth. Exactly right. It
1: was dark. Right? <laughs> he it said. We went
0: dark. on to say also in Matthew twenty-four, there you know, for at that time there will be great tribulation unmatched from the beginning of the world and never to be seen again. Yeah, that's well, right. that's getting better and better, Jeff. I don't know. That's I don't believe. Well, that's again, quite you've truthful. got to allegorize all of scripture in
1: order mm-hmm. to arrive at a all millennialist point of view. You've yeah. got to say yeah. that the Bible don't really mean what it says, and you can't really trust what you read with your own eyes from the yeah. Word of God, and that's basically where you have to be at. I'm hoping that tomorrow we can talk about the second half of this article, which is the strength of premillennialism. And uh, uh-huh. that's in our wheelhouse. We can. Well,
0: you got, once you yeah. give our, our listeners a little preview, uh, we've just, we've been talking about all yeah. millennial. Now we're talking, tomorrow we're going to be speaking about yeah. pre-millennial. So I give our listeners a little. Yeah. Well, basically all millennialism there,
1: denies a thousand year reign premillennialism believes that there will be a literal thousand year reign as depicted in Revelation 20 verses one through six, just as it says it will. And that interpretation maintains the literal and historical reading of scripture, ensuring consistency and upholding the integrity of God's word. So I'm a
0: premillennialist. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I think you're just as pre as you can get. I'm so pre. I'm like that guy
1: said. I won't say all when I go to the doctor anymore.
0: I'm just not going to do it. You're just going to say pre. Pre, I'm pre. all right. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Rowan. Listen, I could sing us a little song. On our
1: please, way don't. Out here. Uh, please don't, please I, I, I don't. Uh, I beg you, it's about uh, a white a Christmas. Christmas please.
0: And, uh, oh, well, I'll, I'll practice a little more after we get off. Please there, do. And I'll be yeah, let's let's, let's let's practice off the air. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> all right, right. bye bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith and Rowan show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollandshow.podbeam.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.